What a powerful, powerful worship time. How many are blessed to be in church today? Amen. I was just saying to myself as I was relaxing back there receiving it, I said, thank God I'm Pentecostal. Okay? Now, let me just let you know what it means to be Pentecostal. We put the Word of God into action. That's what it means. See, we don't just talk about the Word of God. We put it into action. See, just imagine if I came from the, the stage today, and I came up to you, and I started to pray for you. Isn't that what Jesus did? And then I began to bless you or say something nice to you or give you an opportunity to ask me a question. I mean, that's really what Jesus did. So when we have this stage up here and we're doing the song and dance and performance, it sometimes make, makes people feel like we're separated from you as ministers. But we're just like you. You know, we're, we're, we're human. Amen. I'm not going to bite you. And so if I prayed for you, that's, that's a blessing, you know. And, of course, if you don't want that, that's okay. But when you come to church, you should expect it. There was a young man that got saved back in the Jesus People movement. His name was John Wimber. He was a rock and roll guitarist. If you've seen the movie Jesus Revolution, it was around that same time. He was uh, with the Beach Boys and all these different kind of folks. Well, when he became a Christian, he started going to church as a young man. And in his mind, you know, he thought, like, once you became a Christian, you started doing miracles. Because, like, that's how he thought about it. Like, if you're a Christian, because he wasn't raised, you know, in a religious setting where you got used to going to church hearing about miracles and never seeing them. So in his mind, it was, once you're a Christian, you can start calling on God for miracles. So he said he went to church, and then afterward, and, you know, the, the message happened, everything, and then they were dismissed. He, he said to the person sitting next to him, well, when do you all do the stuff? When do you do the stuff? And, and, and the guy was like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, the stuff of the Bible. The stuff, you know, the stuff, the praying, the miracles. Like, when, when do we do the stuff? And, and the guy said, oh, well, we don't do this here, you know. We don't do the stuff here. We just kind of do what you saw. So he started looking around for churches that did the stuff, and he ended up becoming the founder of the Vineyard Church uh, Movement, which was started one in my house back in the day with my parents. So I was a part of a church plan in my house. The Bible studies would be going on, and I would have the kids in my room playing Nintendo and different things. And I remember seeing this. So I grew up seeing this stuff. So I remember coming down into the home Bible study, watching grown people cry, you know, big, strong men. There was a, a man in our church, man. He was like a lumberjack. He was huge. But when the Holy Spirit would touch him, he would start to cry. And I got used to that. You know, people would get miracles and things like that. And, and it's not all the time. I wish it was. How many wish it was all the time? I mean, if there was holy water, I would sell it to you or give it away, rather. I wouldn't sell it to you. I didn't mean I would sell it to you. But you know what I mean? Like, if there was a thing called holy water that they're selling, I would give it to you. Okay? And, and if this rag had some special power, I mean, let's, let's use it. But, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. But I'm glad it happens sometimes. I'm glad that we do see the move of the Spirit when we do. And I don't take that for granted. And so when you come to this church, let's not be superstitious. That, that means uh, every, every goosebump that we feel is not God. I, I get goosebumps watching Avenger movies when, uh, when uh, what's his name, lays down his life, Iron Man. When, he let, when Iron Man laid down his life, I was like, oh, that guy got the goosebumps. Poor Iron Man, but he's such a hero. Okay, so let's, let's not superstitious everything in our lives, but let's be realistic. We are in a spiritual world. How many know you're in a spiritual world? 
Sometimes uh, we over-rationalize everything. We think uh, uh, everything has to work like according to Spock from, you know, Star Trek. Everything has to fit into our little box, but, it, but everything doesn't fit into our little box. Uh, j- just start for, for beginners like your emotions, okay? Can I get an amen from all the ladies here today? Amen. Your, your emotions don't fit into a box, okay? And your emotions aren't just, you know, based on your physiology. Your emotions actually are there because God put them there to be a blessing to humanity, the heart of a mother, you know, and uh, fathers, you know, we're coming into Mother's Day and Father's Day and all that. We ought not to think that's just chemicals. I mean, because just look at the people you love around you right now, like, like Angel, look at your children and, and the, the feeling that just, it's just one child or the rest of these like adopted or just visiting. Who are these? Are these also yours? Okay, good. So all of these young men are yours. These, these boys are yours. And when you look at them, is that just chemicals? Or is there something spiritual going on there? There's a love happening there, right? There's a, there's a sense of a commitment that you have to that child that is second to none, like Adolfo holding this little one right here. Everybody go, oh, look at this little one. He's having a little snack. What is that, little chicharrones? Little chicharrones. No, thank you. But I, you know, if I had it, if I was going to do the chicharrones, I would not have it plain. Put a little lemon, a little hot sauce to chile. You know what I'm talking about, man. I mean, I'm not having the chicharrones plain. I'm not doing that. But do you like the chicharrones? Look at them. But you see, as this father is holding that child right there, that's how God holds us. That's how God takes care of us. Like I said the other day when I was preaching, I can't remember what service it was in. You know, I like watching these movies where the dude comes and saves the, the village and the woman, you know, like these uh, Disney cartoons. But every now and then, I feel like I need a dude to do that for me. Was that in this service I said that? Like, I need a hero. I need one too. Like, I get scared. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get sc- I'm a man, but I get scared sometimes. I don't feel like I have, like, all the strength in the world to hold this thing together. I want a man to come alongside of me. I want someone to, to get my back. And I see that as God the Father. And the Bible teaches us that we're supposed to understand our world this way. And then when we have needs, we're supposed to pray. And oftentimes we think of prayer like wishing. Wishing is a superstitious form of prayer. In other words, you don't know where that, uh, that wish goes. You know, like when you go to Six Flags and you throw in that, that quarter right there at the, the little pond area before the, uh, the Ferris wheel. The Ferris wheel? Ferris wheel? There's a Ferris wheel. Carousel. There's the word I'm thinking of. Just make up words here. Carousel. So you walk into Six Flags and you see that pond there and then the carousel in the back. How many know what I'm talking about? My, my wife, I think she already got her passes and all those things. Or to Santa's Village someplace, my kids will be going and doing all that stuff. And, and then you throw, in that, you throw in that coin, and then you wish, right? Who's fulfilling that wish, you know? The little fairy of six flags. But people do it, right? Like they throw it in there, and then, you know, like it's wrong to take the money. How many have to teach your kids not to take the money? Because they think it's free. It's kind of like Buddy the Elf thinking the gum on the, on the street is free gum. It's like there's free money. Well, who, who, who fulfills those wishes? Nobody. There's no fairy for that. There's no thing for that. But when we pray, we're praying to God. And we're praying to God according to his will, which his will does include at times bad things happening to good people. But we're asking him to intervene through the bad and through whatever happens in our lives to give us strength and to make us able to go through it or to deliver us from it. Can I hear an amen? 
It's like, Lord, bring a miracle or give me the strength to deliver me from it. And that's what it means to pray. And so that's doing this stuff. So that was the sermon before the sermon. Open up your Bibles with me now to John chapter 15, verse 18. And I just want to encourage you, always come to church ready to do the stuff. Right, Brother Lawrence? That's what we need, sir. We need the stuff. Because if we just have the, uh, the appearance of religion but deny its power, then we're really no better than any other religion out there. I mean, of course, our story is based on fact and not myth. I mean, that's, that's true. That's better in that sense. But, but in the sense of coming in the same way and leaving the same way, you know, there's no power there. And the Christian faith has always been one based on power. That's why today I don't have to make up for it and dress up like mother and have you call me father. You see, because if I didn't have the power of God on my side, then I might as well wear, well wear a pointed hat some velvet, some satin, some doilies, okay? I might as well dress up, have you call me father, me feed you something. Because if I don't have any power to actually give you in the name of Jesus, we might as well take this to the nth degree of uh, role playing. Are you, guys, are you guys tracking with me? Because if we don't have the real deal, then we might as well just make our building look like it's a piece of heaven, right? Now, nothing wrong with having both. I mean, I guess if I had a choice to have a blacked-out ceiling or a cathedral up there where you could see, ah, 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 the angels up there. Or, but here's the better thing, or if I could get you to have the power of the Holy Ghost that's better than an angel in this service, then you won't care about the ceiling either way. Because, you know, let's just be honest right now. How many know I could, I could make a horse that is dead? Just to think of a dead horse right now. I could make that thing very ornate. I could put bells and whistles on it. I could dress it up. I could paint it. But how many know when you sit on it, it's still dead? It's still a dead horse. But how many know today you could be in an F-22 uh, like Raptor, one of, those, one of those jets, right? You could be in one of those Top Gun jets, and you're not concerned about what's on the floor per se. You're not, you're not wondering if that's a velvet floor. You know you're in something that's moving. Can I hear an amen? The church has never been beautiful from the exterior. It's never been like religion. See, religion, like the Bible says, Jesus speaking towards the Pharisees, are like whitewashed tombs. That was, that's what religion looks like. But Christianity has always been dusty. It's always been dirty. It's always been grimy. Why? Because it's been where the people are, have been. How many know that day when Jesus was with the adulterer, it was dusty and dirty that day? It was grimy. Come on, y'all. Y'all some young people, young adults out there. You know the word grimy? You know what I'm talking about when I say grimy, right? You get what I mean by that. Dusty. You know what I'm saying? And that's what, it, that's what Christianity looks like. Christianity, my dude, my guy, my corporate America guy, doesn't look like three guys in the suits going to the lunch, you know, at Bennigan's. Do they still have Bennigan's? Is that still on the rotation of corporate lunches around you? Okay, no. Shout out a corporate lunch place. What tavern? Sienna Tavern. Anybody know about the Sienna Tavern? Because you ain't corporate. You ain't corporate. When you get to that level, you, you got the company card, you go to Sienna. Is it Sienna Tavern? Yeah. That's, see, that's, that's corporate America. I love corporate America. My dad was somewhat around that world. I, lo I love it. But listen, that, that's not Christianity. That's beautiful. We need it. Like, I'm glad we have a middle class. I'm glad we have a working class, you know. Some nations don't have that. But you can't think of Christianity like that. Oftentimes we, we have, you know. The guy comes in the tie, he looks just like corporate America. But that wasn't Jesus. Jesus wasn't walking around with his guys going to the tavern and then saying, hey, let's go golfing. Nothing wrong with that. But where was Jesus? Jesus was with the woman at the well that already had about four or five baby mamas. You all remember John chapter 4? 
Oh, y'all getting quiet on me. What did I say, baby mamas? Oh, man, that would be a whole nother problem. I know you got quiet for a reason. Joe just went transgender on the woman at the well. Back up. How many know Jesus was with the woman with the, at the well with a bunch of baby daddies? There we go. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. He was there. That's where Jesus was at, my guy. That's where Jesus was at. My do another corporate America. Well, you know, kind of blue collar, white collar management right here. You know what I'm saying? You're right in the middle. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus, Jesus was at that shady place. He wasn't at that tavern that the guys go to. He was at like the dog stop or something that would be a little, I want to say dog stop is shady, but it'd be a little bit more shady. Where, you know what I'm saying? Where there's some sketchy stuff going on. And then you know what? That's where he's ministering. But he also had time for those at that tavern. He also hung out with Zacchaeus. He also had time for the corporate guys. And you see, when we look at John chapter 15, verse 18, what does Jesus say? If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. This is not Oprah Winfrey's religion. This is not the religion that's going to get you on America's Got Talent and everybody's going to cry a tear for you and play slow music about your life. No, that's what they do for them. That's what they do for their people. That's what they do for theirs that they, they uh, affirm. Look at what it says. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Can I hear an amen if you've been hated by the world? I'm not talking about them hating you because you have an attitude or you're not nice or you're rude. I'm talking about them hating you because you love Jesus. That's Christianity. Christianity is still the most hated religion in the world. See, in America, if you took a poll, probably it would be Islam because of terrorism and so forth. But you see, America is only 300 million people, and then only so many out of that group would actually, you know, say, hey, I don't like Islam, I hate it, whatever, right? But when you're talking about China, over a billion people, what is their number one target for religious leaders? Christianity. When you're talking about India, almost another billion people, who are the Hindu extremists against the most? Christians. When you're talking about the 1040 window, which is a lot of those Islamic nations, Abu Dhabi, you know, the Arab Emirates, you know, United Arab Emirates and these cities, Abu Dhabi and then Dubai and these places. And then you go into Afghanistan and all of these other places, Iran, and, and especially Iran. You ask them, the number one people group that they hate and are against are Christians. Why are Christians hated so much? Some people say, oh, it's because of all the things that they've done in the past. First of all, if that was true, then all of those religions should be hated equally. And all of those people groups. Have you ever studied the history of China? China didn't get to be the size that it was because they were loving their neighbor as themselves. The dynasties and the leaders of China and Japan were not walking around doing good Samaritan deeds to each other. The Indian caste system is still around even to this day. Are you all tracking with me? The oppression of Africans among other Africans is still today in the name of their tribal religions. You ever heard of the Hotel Rwanda scandal that happened out there? That's still happening today. And somehow they, they sometimes try to blame this on the colonizers. No, y'all were doing that before we got here. 
Now they're going to blame the Aztecs and the Mayans on the colonizers. No, no, no. The Aztecs and Mayans were blowing each other up. We're skinning each other alive. We're killing each other, doing sacrifice among children before the colonizers ever got there. So why is Christianity so hated? Isn't it in our culture where we abolish slavery, where it still exists today in Africa? Isn't it our culture that allows you to come and have freedom of religion where you can build a mosque here, but we can't build a mosque in Mecca? As a matter of fact, nobody except the Muslims even allowed in Mecca. You're not even allowed to cross the border in Mecca. They have to check your shahada if you can confess Muhammad as a prophet. And yet here we are, the most hated people group on the earth. Why is that? It's because we remind them of the teachings of Jesus. That's why it is. It's not because that we're the most conquistadores. It's not because we've done the most evil in the world. Communism and socialism has been responsible for more deaths in the modern world than Christians times 100. Are you listening to me? If you were to take the deaths that our, respons- that, that our responsibility rise upon the fundamental Christian in the last hundred years, you couldn't even get to a million. I'm not talking about supposedly George Bush's war in Iraq and so forth. I'm talking about Christians doing things in the name of Christ. No matter how far you could stretch it, you couldn't even get to a million. Socialism, communism killed over 100 million, and yet we had young people just a few years ago storming down our streets, shouting out the slogans of socialism and communism. Are you listening to this preacher today? I can go back to telling you the story of Noah's Ark, or I can preach to where you're living right now. Which one do you want? Somebody say, preacher, preacher. This is why the world hates you. It doesn't hate you just because you believe in Noah's Ark. It hates you because you teach against these things. It's because you have a Jesus that doesn't stand for these things. And every world a government that the Christian comes in contact with, they soon find out the Christian puts God above the government. And most governments don't want that. Most jobs don't want that. They don't want you to put God before your job. How many know that's true? Unless you have a Christian boss, they don't mind if you have a time to meditate They don't mind if you ask for a special diet that you can have vegan burgers at the company picnic. But if you start talking about you need to get to Bible study, you can't work on Sundays because Jesus comes first, then all hell breaks loose. Are you listening? That's the world that we live in. And as I've said before, the entertainment world and the world of the media will paint the picture so graphic that the emotions of the world will be sparked and touched by worldliness and hatred towards you. I give you this example continually because I want you to have it in your heart. It's the manipulation. When you listen to the backstory of someone from America's Got Talent, and they talk about how they were rejected by their family when they came out as trans, and now they're you know, here singing their song, and they find acceptance from the judges, and tears come down their eyes. Understand, you will never Listen, as of right now, you will never see a Christian who came out of the trans movement ever be able to tell that story on that same stage, to tell their story. I thought I was a different gender, but because of God and his grace, he healed my mind, and I've accepted who I am. And now my former friends reject me. The culture that I came from of that that acceptance now rejects me. You'll never see them tell you that story. You will never see a cartoon where someone is living out that truth. 
you will see a cartoon where the lion wants to be a bear and then gets accepted by trying to be a bear. Are you listening? You'll, you'll see this in the media, but you won't see it the other way. And right now, every religion is being looked at for its cultural good. Oh, look at the women wearing the hijab. That's so moral of them. That's so moral of them. Oh, look at this person over here, how they're doing their meditation, and they do these dis- That's so moral of them. But the moment a Christian stands for the cross of Jesus Christ, we are considered hate mongers and bigots and racists. Even though, think about it, my friends, our religion, if you want to call it as such, our belief system is adopted by more cultures around the world than any other religion. Any other religion cannot compare to the acceptance of Christianity as it is around the world. Go to Latin America, Christians. Do you find a lot of Hindus in Latin America? Yes or no? No, but you go to Latin America, you find Christians. You go to the Far East, you go to to Asia, you go to China, Singapore, you find Christians. Are you listening to me? In those places, do you find a lot of Muslims? No, not at all. But you'll find Christians. Are you tracking with me? You go to all the different parts of the world and all the different cultures, you'll see Christians. And yet we're the bigots. (laughs) And yet in Islam, you have to speak Arabic to be able to talk to your God. That's the way they teach you. Their their religion is is through their language and through their dress and doing all things like like a dark ages Middle Eastern man, living like him, having a beard like him, washing like him, dressing like him. That's why they, they, look out, they, they look like they came out of an Indiana Jones movie is because they're living in the past based on what their religion taught them. Now, if they want to do that, that's fine. They have the freedom to do that here. But you notice how that's respected and admired, and that's not called racist when they literally believe their race is a superior race. And yet Christianity has nothing to do with racism. Whenever someone has adopted those principles and put it into Christianity, guess what happened? Other Christians called them out. In the Civil War, was it Muslims fighting for freedom against Christian slave owners? Who was in the north? Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, or Christians? Christians. The first Bible colleges, Christian or the first colleges in America, Christian. The first ones accepting of women during the women's suffrage, Christian. The first ones accepting of African American. Look up Oberlin College, Christian. Are you listening to me? I said, are you listening? And yet we're hated by the world. Jesus said very clearly, don't think it's strange. Do not think it's strange. Now sometimes people want to say, well, you're, you're walking around as if you have a persecution complex. Look at how well you've been accepted throughout the, the years. First of all, that is itself a very bigoted Western world way of thinking. When they say that to us, they're thinking about our status in America and in Europe. And that's because Christians develop these nations. But they're not understanding that the other two-thirds of the world is not America or Europe. And so how are Christians treated in Muslim Africa? How are Christians treated in communist China? How are Christians treated in the various nations of the Middle East that make up two-thirds of the world's population? We are the scum of the earth. We are the refuge. 
We are the ones that are denied jobs. Our daughters are taken from us and raped and brought into their religious settings. And then if we fight against it, we're made out to be the criminals. That is what has happened time and time again in Pakistan. That is the truth, my brothers and sisters. Our land is taken from us. Our jobs are taken from us. And so here, and if you want to study the history of America, that's a whole another sermon in and of itself, how God used Christian principles to defend this nation and to give us our rights and our freedoms. But notice now here, they want to mistreat the Christian here. Take away the Christian right of freedom of speech here. Standing in front of abortion clinic the other week, the woman shouted in my face, screamed in my face, bumped into my brother to knock him off the sidewalk. And yet they say, we're the troublemakers. Woman, I didn't get nowhere near you. You juked in front of me, put your finger in front of me, cussed me out and made threats to me, and yet you're the victim? I'm not walking around with the persecution complex. That's the truth, my brothers and sisters. That's why they can have a rainbow and have their designated days of the month and so forth. But if you want to wear a cross, now you're crossing the line. How about this? I'll wear a rainbow. I'm just going to put the story of Noah, the Genesis scripture, right underneath it. Just to remind you where that came from. How about that? We'll make a compromise. I'll wear a rainbow, but I'm referencing the scripture from Noah's generation. Now, brothers and sisters, is it as bad as it could be? Absolutely not. We're still blessed. We're still free. Uh, Roe v. Wade was struck down, handed over to the states, and states have made that illegal. Christianity is being defended right now in the courts. As I mentioned before, Oberlin, Oberlin College actually assaulted online a Christian-owned business and slurred them during the time of the Black Lives Matter and all of that. And now they have just been given a $60 million fee for doing that to that man's business because it was unjustly done. So there are courts standing up for Christian businesses, and that was sad for me to see that because Oberlin was the place where one of my heroes, Charles Finney, was once the president of. But imagine how that turned so far to now go against a Christian business, and they just got a lawsuit slapped against them. So there is justice in our courts. There's, there's the hand of God moving across our churches. Revival is in the land. I mean, we saw something beautiful happen at Asbury there, and we, we, we had to guard it and protect it from the, the woke left that tried to insert their ways into it. But listen, brothers and sisters, that's nothing to what we have ahead of us. As the darkness gets greater, the light must so increase. And we must be ready for the hatred of the world. This is why I tell depressed pastors, go out and street preach and get over yourself. You're upset that two people hate you in the church. Guess what? Out there, everybody hates you. And then you'll get over yourself, and then you'll start living for Jesus again. Oh, well, sister so-and-so said something mean about me on Facebook. This is how pastors are because they're such gentle people. If you know pastors, most of the time they're opposite of me, okay? Think of Pastor Berto as your typical kind of pastor, all right? And they just get so hurt. Oh, so-and-so said this about me. Hey, brother or sister, go out to the abortion clinic every week and see what they say about you. You'll get over it real quick. But in all truth and honesty, that's why we keep you on the streets, brothers and sisters. That's why we keep you preaching the gospel, because we don't want you to get comfortable in this world. You were made for a battle, not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of darkness. You were here to preach the word of God. I know sometimes that feels like we're just being used by Jesus, but if I would be used by anybody, let it be Jesus. 
But I'll tell you what, Jesus doesn't just use us because he says he calls us his friends, not just his servant. In the passage that we read last week, he, he reminded us we're not just servants. We are his friends. He loves us. We are co-laborers with him. And if he has changed our lives, we owe it to the community. We owe it to our friends and our family to go tell them the truth. And so I pray that you find a balance in this where you're a truth speaker, you stand up for the word of God, you have a shield to protect your heart against the words that they speak against you, and at the same time, I pray that you don't become mean. I pray that you don't become angry with them and treat them the way they treat you. Because as Martin Luther King Jr. said, let no man bring you so low as to hate him. Once we hate them, once we dislike them, once we return an eye for an eye, once a tooth for a tooth, once we do that, we've lost the higher ground. Our hearts have been polluted. Now we're no different than the conservatives versus the, uh, the Democrats, the, the Cubs versus the Sox, the Bears versus the Packers. Are you listening? It's not about that. This is not just a carnal thing. It's not just a flesh and blood thing. This is a spiritual thing. We're teaching them the ways of God. And Jesus wanted us to know, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. How many believe it is worth being with Jesus if the cost is the world hating you? For me, if I had the choice, I would want both. I would want Jesus and the world loving me. How many would want both if you could have a choice? Some of you are just ornery and gothic and want to be hated by everybody. <laughs> want to be weird, be all dark and sad and lonely. No, seriously, if you could have both, Jesus' love, of course more important, but you could have both. Jesus' love and the love of Oprah Winfrey. She would bring you on her show and you could tell your story and then you could also be on America's Got Talent and then you could go to your job and take Sunday off. If you could have both, the love of Jesus and the love of those in the world, how many would like it? I know I would. I think it would be awesome. Like getting called up today from Steve Harvey. Hey, man, come on my show. Talk to people on my show about Jesus. Let's give them some real marriage advice because I'm on my third one and I'm pretending like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Why don't you actually come and talk about what it's like to be married for almost 20 years? Okay, that's, that would actually help the people, right? It would be amazing if Ellen DeGeneres, I mean DeGeneres, said, hey, come on here. Help me reach this community for Jesus so I could tell them how to love the Lord and live a good life so that they don't commit suicide like my DJ did. How many think it's about time the world wakes up to what Christianity has to offer? Instead of mocking us and making fun of us and hating us, they need to receive it just like we have. Now, I thank God that we're not forcing it on anybody. We're not forcing the change on them. They can make their decision on their own, but we're going to give them that opportunity. And so often when we're preaching, people say to us, don't you have better things to do? And I look back at them and I go, what's better than saving a life, than winning a soul? What's better than that? See, the best thing that we can do is to save somebody, not 
that it's us and our own strength, but the Bible says he who wins souls is wise. So those t- the term soul winner is used of people. So it's not just God alone doing it. God uses people to do it, but it's by faith in him alone. Amen? And so doing that work is worth it. Now look at verse 20. Remember what I told you? A servant is not greater than his master. And he had said that in John 13, 16. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. We were out last week at the Triple X convention, and yes, you heard me correctly. It was our first time going to the Triple X convention there at Rosemont. I had been seeing these nasty flyers for about the last 10 years as I drive to my my house, and by God's grace, we finally were able to stand out there and talk with people. There is something that I noticed very quickly. Two things. There are certain Christians, supposed Christians, who are ashamed of their behavior, and when they see you doing what you do while they're doing what they do, they put their head down and just walk like this. I saw quite a few like that. Then I saw what I will call a exotic hula hoop dancer say to me proudly that she was a Christian. Were you there, Andre, when she walked by with the hula hoop? Let's not get into what they would possibly be doing there. But yes, I love Jesus. And I said, well, you better behave yourself and live like him. And then she got all quiet and walked away. But see, I noticed there's two kinds of people that call themselves Christians when they're doing the things that, not, that, that Christians wouldn't do. There's the kind that feels shame. They know they're wrong, and they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. That's called conviction. And I praise God for that, and we need more of that. How many know that you need that? Amen? If you don't obey Jesus' teachings, you're really not doing what Jesus told you to do. Just turn with me quickly to 1 John, just so you can see it even again. John's writing the gospel, quoting Jesus, but then he writes his own epistle, his own letter in his own words by the Holy Spirit, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And this is how he clarifies, goes into more depth, the very thing that we just heard. If you're a servant, you obey your master. And if they are truly servants of Jesus, when they meet you, they'll be obeying what you say because they have the same master. We know that we have come to know him if we do what? Go to church on Sunday. Become a priester. Go to church on Christmas and Easter. Is that what it says? We know that we know, oh, excuse me, we know that we have come to know him if we go to Bible study. Come on, one more time. Help me out here. Is that what it says? You go to a Bible study. Your pastor's, a, your, your dad's a preacher. You grew up in church. No, that's not what it says. Let's read it together. One, two, three. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever, including an exotic hula hoop dancer, says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that exotic hula hoop dancer. As I told you before, I was preaching at Boricua Fest, uh, which has been my joy and honor over the years, preaching where most Puerto Ricans dare to go. Can I hear an amen for that? We love that community. And there was a lesbian woman rebuking me in the name of Jesus for telling her that lesbianism is sin. What strange world have we now arrived at? 
She thinks she has the upper, upper hand. She stands on the higher ground. She thinks she's more moral than me. She thinks that she can correct me in the way I'm judging her. She thinks she's right and I'm wrong. But according to the Bible, who's the truth? Who's telling the truth and who's the liar? The one who does what Jesus commanded is the one telling the truth. Oftentimes people have questions about commands, and that's okay. We don't always get it. We're slow to understand. There's a growth process. How many know you have grown in the things of God? I hear some of you come to me and confess things with a guilty conscience, and that's good to feel guilty about it, but don't feel condemned. Because brothers and sisters, I cussed for about the first three to six months I was saved. Okay, it took me a while to stop cussing. Now some of y'all looking at me like, oh, pastor, I tell my disciples on the first day, if you cuss again, you cannot be my disciple. You go, you go to someone else, but not here. Now we have to be patient with people. I was still cussing. I was smoking cigarettes. I was, I was doing things that I'm not proud of. But I know I was a Christian. I know I loved Jesus. I knew, I, I knew at that time I was born again, and there was more to Christianity than what I was living out. I understood all of that, so I was under conviction. And, I, and at times I, I asked the Lord to help me and to forgive me. But you see, if you would have just looked at me at that time, you might have judged me and said, oh, you're not a Christian, you're not a Christian. And that's why we need to be patient with people. Even God, uh, you know, Jesus, God in the flesh, gives the illustration that there was a man who went and planted a wheat in the ground, but then at night an enemy came and put weeds there. The next day, the servants saw the wheat and the weeds growing together, and they said, should we pull out the wheat, uh, the weeds, so that the wheat can grow? And the, and the master, Jesus said, no, 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 don't do that, because you might pull them both up. He said, you have to let them grow, then the angels will come and judge them. And so we have to understand that not everything looks as it seems. Sometimes there are baby Christians, there are immature Christians, but here's how I know whether or not you're truly in love with Jesus. If you're ashamed of those sins and want to repent of those sins and no longer do those sins, amen? So if you're looking as that woman looked back at me with the, the hula hoop going like, hey, I'm all good. No, 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 that's a problem. See, now you have gone beyond just having a sin issue as a new Christian or as a baby Christian. You're actually now wanting to continue to sin and call yourself a Christian. When, when I was a baby Christian, when I was growing up in the things of God, I knew, like, man, I shouldn't talk like that. I'm ashamed of that. How many can relate to that? That's called conviction. Amen? Going back to uh, John chapter 15, please. A servant is not greater than their master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. But listen, if they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. Now in the time of Jesus, the Jews did not understand he was sent by the Father. They thought that he was just born of uh, a, literally a one-night stand from Mary that she was ashamed to admit, and then she tried to claim a divine intervention. Oh, it, it wasn't me cheating on Joseph. It was God, and they tried to make fun of him for that. And even in their historical writings, the Jewish people defame our Jesus. They're very disrespectful towards our Jesus. And so they thought that Jesus came from an illegitimate relationship that Mary had, and they're missing it. And they have now no excuse. He's explained it to them over and over and over again, and eventually they're going to suffer for it. But brothers and sisters, do we have an excuse? Not that excuse, at least. We know that Jesus was born of a virgin. Amen? And we know that Jesus came through the Virgin Mary and that he lived a sinless life. 
and that he was crucified for our sins, and that he came from the Father. We believe that story. We take it as fact. We know that it is true, not only from the stories and the testimonies of others, but because the message has changed our hearts. How many have had an experience with the living Jesus, not just a religious Jesus? That's why I know there's a difference. I remember my father telling me as he was once raised Catholic, you know, in a Polish neighborhood, going to church all the time as an altar boy, and having respect for the Polish church, not disrespecting it, but he said when he heard these friends of his, these co-workers preach the gospel to him, even though he was confirmed, even though, like I said, he was an altar boy, he had never understood that was Jesus' actual message, that Jesus' actual message was one of spiritual rebirth, John chapter 3, verse 3, that Jesus' actual message was one of inner spiritual relationship and obedience out of love. He said when he accepted that message, it went from Jesus being somewhere out there, a statue or a historical figure that he heard about, to a Jesus coming in here that now he knew personally. Is there anybody here that has a similar testimony? Like my father, you were raised a certain way to see a Jesus or a God-like figure out there, but you didn't realize that it was for in here. See, that's how I know there's a difference. See, in Islam, there is no difference. Well, how do you feel when Allah speaks to you? No, Allah doesn't speak to you in Islam. In, in the Bhagavad Gita and the stories of Hinduism, there is no centrality of Krishna or of one person. It's God is in all and all is God, basically becoming a wash of nihilism, that there's no distinguishment now. But the Bible is very clear that man was created like God, but then he sinned, became separated from God, and then this incarnation of God, not one of many, not like the Greek gods that have soap operas up there, telenevas or whatever. No, no. This is the one God coming in the form of the flesh of the Son. He dies so that we can be restored. There is no story like that. Can I hear an amen? See, in Hinduism, it's just going from one realization of your God, God being to another realization. But as you see in Christianity, it's a separation to a joining together. Does everybody see the difference there? And that's why I said, does everybody see the difference? Thank you, because that's why Christianity can't be faked. You can have imitations. Don't get me wrong. People try all the time. People try all the time. I remember, uh, you know, people telling me that they could make lasagna. They try, okay, and they would bring me over and put something on the plate, and I'm half Italian, and it's just, you know, you don't want to be, you know, don't want to be rude, but it's not like Mamma Mia's, you know. It's not like Mama's. What is this? A little soupy thing here with some wet noodles in here and some ragu sauce sprinkling on, you know, slapped on there. No, no, no. You can, you know, people can try to say this is Christianity, and we see it happen all the time. But genuine Christianity is a relationship with you and God. And if you have ever tried to do religious Christianity and have now come into a relational Christianity, you know the difference. You know it. Just like how in a marriage, you can have two people living together, but they're not really loving each other. You can have a marriage that looks on the outside like everything is cool, everything is hunky-dory, but really everything's falling apart. Because there's one difference between a real marriage and just a pretend marriage, and that's the heart that one has for the other. And in Christianity, it's not pretending. We're not pretending to love him. We're not pretending to be close to him. We are having actual experiences with him. 
And that's why Christianity continues to grow. Where, in the context of where it's at around the world, there should be no reason for it to grow. Why would Christianity be growing right now in Iran? Iran has all of the jobs. If you live there, you have to be a Muslim to have all of the jobs. Why would Christianity grow there? You lose your job. Christianity is against the law. It's a death penalty. Even if you deny that Muhammad was a prophet, and and this is what they do sometimes against each other, they got slick. They'll say to each other as Muslim to Muslim, that's a blasphemer so that they can get the better falafels or have the better deal in their business. They'll lie on each other. They do it. And they're trying to figure out, how do we really know? Because we're so quick to burn them all down. They have to somehow figure out which one's really blasphemy because sometimes the Muslim does it to his friend. In Pakistan, the same exact thing. What benefit do they get? They get denied by their family. See, here, Mother's Day, there'll be extra people in church. Why? Because some of the abuelas here, some of the mamas here, they're going to say to their kids, the ones that don't come to church all the time, hey, come to church. But you see, in that culture, you lose your mother. You lose your father. They deny you. Read the stories of our missionaries and how often they have to bring in the children. They have to bring in the families. They have to defend them against their own family members. And one story of Dick Brogdon that he tells when he was ministering in northern Africa that was controlled by Muslims, that the woman was beat to almost death by her brothers after she could confess Christ, and that if it wasn't for God's grace for her to escape, she would have died at the hands of her own family in that nation, simply for becoming Christian. See, why does Christianity grow there then? Why is in some of those Muslim nations in the Middle East, in Iran especially right now, it's one of the fastest growing Christian uh, missionary movements? You can look it up. Because there's something that they're receiving there, isn't there? There's something that's actually happening where it's not like religion is religion is religion. You know, we go after service here today. If we can get back into the 50s or 60s, that would be nice, Angel. Whoever's in charge up there of the thermostat, would you please put it up for us? I think one of them has fallen asleep on us. How many, how many know what I'm talking about? It's like, but, but some of you are like, grow up, Joe. We're in Chicago. Get over it, okay? I know we're in Chicago, but it hurts sometimes. It does. I thought today we at least get to the 50s. It's like 48. It's like. Just a little bit more. Um, so think about it. We go to ice cream. How many could still have ice cream on a day that's 48 degrees? I know I could. Let's just be honest. I could. I could definitely go off for ice cream. After this, no complaint. Sometimes I wonder, like, why in my area Dairy Queen closes down for the winter? And then I'm thinking there's a bunch of soft people who won't eat ice cream in the winter. And I'm like, I'm not one of them. Leave that place open for me. I will come frequent your place. I'm telling you, man, the blizzard, that's my thing, okay? That's my jam. Pray for me because I'm working on this. If we went out for ice cream right now and, and we literally got into a shouting match in the ice cream joint between chocolate chip cookie dough and cookies and cream, how many know we would be idiots? We would be idiots. People would put us online saying, look at these idiots. If we're yelling at the top of our lungs, no, it's chocolate chip cookie dough. It's the best. Other one, no, it's cookies and cream. That's the way some people think about us religious people. You Muslims and Christians, you're fighting against each other. You Hindus, Buddhists, whatever. You Sikhs, you Jainists, whatever. You guys are all fighting against each other. It's just all the same. Is that true? Not saying that we should be fighting with each other, but are they all the same? If it was all the same, why does Christianity convert at the cost of death? 
I understand, listen, listen, I understand why Brad Pitt would give up Christianity to now meditate. I get that because it's convenient. He can be in Hollywood, and he doesn't need to acknowledge his upbringing as a conservative Christian where he was taught a man was a man and a woman was a woman. Those two got together and made babies. I understand now why he would resort to just being spiritual. How many know that makes sense? I said, how many know that makes sense? It makes sense because you still get work. You still get to be everybody's favorite. You still get to be spiritual, relieve your conscience of the bad things that you did through your meditation, try to work it out on yourself, you know, better yourself. That makes perfect sense why someone in America would stop being a Christian and start taking on the practices of Hinduism or Buddhism. That makes perfect sense to me. But tell me right now why someone in China is taking on Christianity. It's illegal. Unless you're a part of the church state that they run and operate, the Patriot Church movement of Chinese that makes you say that the leader of the government is the leader of the church, unless you're that kind of a Christian, any type of Christianity is illegal. And then your pastors get arrested. And then your mom is put in jail. And then the children become wards of the state. Tell me why there's concentration camps for Christians right now in nations like that. And why they're still becoming Christians. Why is it China, even though it's illegal for them to be a Christian, they will go to the most illegal place, North Korea, to reach others with the gospel. Chinese missionaries are some of the most boldest missionaries. You know why? Because they've already figured it out. Our life is short anyways. We might as well die out in a blaze of glory. Right? They already hate us here. We might as well try to cross the border into North Korea. They send over balloons with Bibles into, from China over to North Korea. Why? See, that doesn't make sense unless there's something really going on. There's something really going on underneath the surface. And what's that's hap- what's that, what is that happening there? It's happening because Jesus is changing their lives. You see, they treat you this way because of my name, for they don't know the one who sent me. Once you get the understanding that the Father sent the Son and that as much as the Father and Son love each other, they now love us and they bring us into that relationship as we learned before, there's nothing that will stop you from living for them. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates the Father as well. That's the truth, brothers and sisters. How many know the Father was speaking in the Old Testament? How many know now they make fun of the Old Testament? But the Father was speaking through his son, Jesus. How many know Jesus is still speaking the words of the Father? So if they didn't like him then, they don't like him now. Sometimes they try to say that we as Christians, we pick and choose from the Old Testament what we like and don't like. That's not true. Jesus told us how to use the Old Testament in the New Testament. Whatever was of the priestly laws, those are fulfilled in Jesus. Whatever have to do with the civil laws of stoning and so forth, what did he say? Those without sin, throw the first stone. So we don't enforce those laws. Anything to do with the dietary laws, he says, now those are fulfilled. All food is clean. Thank God we can eat bacon. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Aren't you happy for lechon? Okay, El Pastor Tacos. Or what, is, that, is that lechon? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I keep up. Carnitos, you know, think about it. All of that is now what Jesus said. The Bible said, but do the morals remain the same? Is it still a sin to lie from the Old Testament to the New Testament? Is it a a sin to commit adultery from the Old Testament to the New Testament? Yes, is homosexuality a sin from the Old Testament to the New Testament? Absolutely. So they hate the Father for these things. 
It's not that Jesus changed the words of the Father. Jesus fulfilled the words of the Father. It's not that they hate you because they don't like something about you. How many know that woman a few weeks ago, the one that I was speaking about, stuck her finger in my face, juked in front of me. How many know she didn't know much about me? But what did she hate about me that I spoke the words of Jesus? Think about that. We've had people lose their God-given mind simply holding up pictures of babies at abortion clinics. They don't know anything about you. They just know you're speaking the words of Jesus that life begins in the womb, right? I've seen people get so angry with me because of all of the trauma they've had in their past with Christianity, but the issue isn't me personally. It's what they've dealt with. And so Jesus is saying here, understand this, that it doesn't just stop with you. It goes on to the next person which is me, because I'm the one that told you those words. And then it goes to the next person. It goes to the Father, because the Father told me uh, these words. So when you see this hate, it's not for you. Don't take it personal. And I remember, you know, talking to some of my friends when they first became Christians to say, let's go out and preach the gospel. And they're like, man, I don't know if I can handle all that rejection. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do in that situation. I'm not really all that saved. I might get to fighting, you know. And I'm like, you better learn how to handle it, because this is what Christianity is. Christianity isn't just what we do here as a club and we all agree with each other, say amen to the guy on the stage and go home and keep to ourselves. Christianity is a religion that's obligated to spread. See, that's what they always say to us. See, if you guys would just not do what you're doing, we would be cool with you. Let us, remember the Black Lives Matter, let us riot and tear down the whole city, but how dare you as ninis or a Christian business speak anything against us? It's us that gets to speak everything against you and tear you down, but you can't speak up on behalf of God. We'll go to the streets and come out the closet. Christian, shut your mouth. Get back in the closet. Not here. I'm coming out, amen? I'm coming out for Jesus like RuPaul came out for homosexuality. I will be as flamboyant and as radical. Are you listening? (laughs) I'm serious. As RuPaul came out the closet, this Christian coming out the closet. There was actually a funny skit. I can't remember who did it, but I don't think it was Christians. And then it was something that they even recognized as non-Christians that now coming out in Silicon Valley as a Christian is worse than what it was in the 80s to come out as gay. I think it was Saturday Night Live or some non-Christian group put that out. Dad and dad, I've got to tell you something. You get it, dad and dad, just track with me. Dad and dad, I've, I've got to tell you something. Oh, what is it, son? Or, you know, genderless child. I've become a Christian. No! Seriously, that's what the world is like now, isn't it? Everybody can come out as the, out of the closet. I, I've now limited my Instagram time to 10 minutes. I have seen some of the most corniest stuff on there that I can't, I can't anymore. Not saying there isn't some good stuff on there. But I just want to be honest with you. And this is, not, this is not for everybody. This is just for me right now. I've seen a guy making out with his car that was on TLC that married a car. I saw Candace Owens talk about a Christian uh, adult industry film star. That was Candace Owens. To talking about that. I've, I've watched the pro-abortion people scream and holler at the top of their lungs at the Charlie Kirk thing, whatever the last thing was, and I just, I can't do it right now. I, I, for some reason, I can't just say, only show me wakeboarding, puppy videos, and my friends. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, show me the little funny animal ones. I'll, I still watch cat videos, I'll be honest with you. That still hasn't gotten old, even though I'm not a cat person, but I do make some good videos, right? So just show me the animal videos, show me the wakeboarding, snowboarding stuff, and show me my friends. I just, I don't want to do, deal with all this other stuff. Even if, like I said, even if it's coming from Candace Owens, a Christian commentator, like, I just don't even want to hear that there's an adult film star out there believing she's a Christian. Like, I just, I don't even want to hear her story. Well, this is her story. It's almost like, let's just glorify it for a minute and then shame it, you know? It's like, I just want to skip the whole thing and just ignore it. But at the same time, I don't want to put my head in the sand. I do want to be aware of what's going on, so I've limited myself to 10 minutes. Brothers and sisters, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Guard your heart and guard your minds. Guard your conscience against this vileness that we're in. This is not normal. One of the videos that I saw on there was the president of Kenya talking about homosexuality and how people in America are losing their mind because he's calling it sin and he's saying it's abnormal and he's saying don't ruin the African culture with this. How many have seen those kind of videos, right? And then now, you know, you got these justice warriors, you know, their two wires are frying because here they love indigenous people, but they also love their homosexuality. It's like, how do they justify those two things, you know? Here the indigenous person is saying, keep your perversion out of our country. God have mercy on us. And we need to love them. How many know we need to love everybody? Amen. That's what I said to the person uh, that was screaming at me. I said, my moral system is better than yours. Not that I'm better because I'm just as wicked and vile without Christ as you are right now, if not even worse. Remember I tell the story of me mooning the abortion of the pro-life people. When I was a kid, for some reason, when I was going out to go skateboard with my friends, I saw my other friends from the church doing what they were doing for pro-life stuff. And I said, slow down. I, they, I rolled down the window and I stuck out my fanny. I wasn't a nice sinner. Let's put it that way, okay? So I get it. I say, I know, I know, I get it. But listen, our moral system is better than yours. Let me, let me show you how. I'm told to love you. You hate me with every fiber of your being. I'm told to love you. I would invite you to my home today to have a meal with you. You would want me to get hit by a car. You want to embarrass me. She pulled out her phone, which, by the way, we're getting these 360 video cameras that they use for action sports, and we're going to put them on poles that just get the whole vicinity there, 360, because we're so tired of them lying about us doing stuff to them. Karen, you are the safest you have ever been. Are you listening? Karen and Chad, whatever that dude's name is, Karen and Chad, the Karens and Chads out there, you are the safest you have ever been. No one from our group is going to hurt you. If anyone for, from our group lost their mind and wanted to hurt you, all of us would defend you from them. They would allow us to get hurt and find joy in it. God have mercy on this world that thinks through their hatred and their violence and their corrupt moral system that they're doing a good thing. But we're not any better if we don't have Christ, amen? If you only have religion, you're no better. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for sin. That's part of our job, brothers and sisters, is to remove the excuse. Well, what about this? What about that? Okay, well, let's go through those things. Well, let's go through those things. Let's talk about these. Well, I got a question about this. I was told this. Okay, let's go through it. We as Christians are there to explain the Bible. How many love the Bible? How many would love to do a Bible study with a sinner? Amen. Let's do as many as we can. Whoever hates me hates the Father as well. 24 and onward. Daryl, would you come please in closing? If I had not done among them the works no one else did, these miracles that he was doing, they would not be guilty of sin. In other words, 
For Jesus to convince the Jews he did the greatest miracles that has ever been done. And he said that level needed to come to the Jewish people so that they would not think I was a false prophet. Because remember, the Jewish people were warned that even if someone did miracles, that you shouldn't follow, and they tell you to not follow the Jewish faith. You shouldn't follow them. Like, like Moses warned against that, okay? So Jesus is here saying, man, I did the greatest like Moses, and I taught them like Moses so that they could be without excuse. Like, I showed them things only Moses could do. Because remember, the Egyptians could do the same things, but Moses has kept conquering what the Egyptians did. So he's saying, I had that extra level, but they saw it, and yet they hated both me and the Father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. I pray that will be our testimony if they hate us is that they really have no reason to hate us. I was um, standing in front of the gospel truck there that day when we were out doing the abortion ministry, and I guess it was on a bike path because there's like a parking spot, bike path, sidewalk. And so I never thought to myself where I was standing. I was just chilling. And a woman came by in her bike, and I know you remember this because it was quite something, the sternness that she had towards us. <laughs> Get out of the path! You guys are always standing here! And I go, oh, hey, you remember this. I go, man, I'm sorry. Why are you guys always sitting? I said, this is my first time here. Where am I standing? Oh, it's on the bike path. She's just screaming, level 10. I just have a question for Karen. Karen, did you do that during the Black Lives Matter protest? Yeah, you're in my bike path. Or did she joyfully allow traffic to be shut down, people to go wherever they wanted? Are you listening? Always the noise complaint for the Christian. Not, not the party that's going on down the block, not the protest. It's always us, right? So I said to her, I said, I am sorry. This is my first time here. What can I do for you? She said, move now. And I go, okay. Here I am. And I moved out of the way. And did the, the, the screaming stop? <laughs> And I just thought to myself, that's being hated for no reason. Now, we know the reason behind their hate is actually towards Christ, but it's not a justified reason. The level of hatred does not match any kind of reason. It's an emotional response based out of absolute hatred towards God. If I was adopting puppies out there instead of trying to save children, would she have screamed at me like that? If I was giving away free condoms, would she have screamed at me like that? No, it was because we were preaching the gospel. But here is my heart. I don't want to yell back at her. Can I ask you as a church not to yell back and not to treat them as they're treating us? Verse 26 is what we'll take up next week, but I just wanted to kind of mesh it together because we're going to get back into the Holy Spirit. It says, when the advocate or the comforter comes... Whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. He will testify about me. So here comes the Holy Spirit on us. He's going to testify about Jesus. That's how you and I can know Jesus is who he said he is, the Holy Spirit. But then notice this, verse 27, and would you highlight and for me, please, brother. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. It wasn't just for the Holy Spirit to go out and tell the world about Jesus. It was also for the disciples. 
And so, brothers and sisters, it's not just someone else's job to go. It's our job. And what's the worst thing they can do is just send us to heaven a little bit earlier. I know it sounds trivial, but I absolutely stand by that. What happens in Iran in the worst-case scenario? They've just sent a brother or sister home to their reward. We have nothing to fear, brothers and sisters. May we go out into our jobs, to our friends, to our community, to the to the places around the city and share with them the love of God, not allowing their hatred to come into our heart, but testifying about the goodness of Jesus. Amen. That Jesus loves sinners, that he died on the cross for them, that sinners who repent become saints, that lives are changed, hearts are rearranged, and countries and nations will begin to worship Jesus. How many want to give Jesus Christ a great big hand clap of praise? Would you stand up with me? Come on. The nations for Jesus is our prayer. God